As today's technology blows away the sands of time, we are digging deeper into the secrets of these mysteries. Welcome to the PowerShell Podcast, the podcast for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. Far more powerful than all the others. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey everybody, welcome back to PowerShell Podcast. I'm Jordan, along with the reason we all show up, Andrew Plaw. <laughs> to life every day, yep, that's yeah. me. The shining star. The anchor who gives my soul license to soar. Whoa. <laughs> getting poetic. Oh my gosh. That's you a stolen family guy bit. Oh, oh that's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. It's been, first, it's been a week, man. It has. The first thing we need to talk about is the, the security, security vulnerability that we touched on briefly last PowerShell week. gallery. PowerShell gallery. Yeah. Vulnerability. So, yeah. P- people have felt that we were a bit dismissive of of what it was. I, I think I still stand by it. I'm not terribly worried about it, but we did go ask an actual security expert to weigh in just so it's not... I, I have a bias, obviously, so it's uh, someone who's actually good at security. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know if we should name who we uh, talked to, but got some clarification um, and kind of confirmed a few things, but uh, I got reached out to and some people felt like we were a little dismissive of it and... Uh, I think that one thing that we need to reiterate is the PowerShell gallery isn't trusted from the get-go, right? When you run install module, it's not just getting it onto your system, right? It's saying, hey, this is from an untrusted repository. Are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. So it, it, it shouldn't be treated as a trusted repository, but I get it. People are going to still do that. Okay, there's something there. Typo squatting is an issue and it's a challenging one. And Microsoft probably should like reserve the dot or Microsoft dot prefix or something like that. There should be something done there for sure. Um, but code trust doesn't happen at the repository level, but at the package level with code signing. And I think we briefly touched on how you should have like a CI CD to internalize modules. Um, and that is definitely the approach you're going to want to go. And in talking to the security person, they suggested that when you're internalizing modules to publish into your internal repository for your clients to install uh, modules, you should prefer grabbing it from the public GitHub rather than the PowerShell gallery. Um, a lot of projects have GitHubs, and they put the releases on there. And you can use that as a mechanism to get things inside. Um, so a great kind of template for what that would look like would be the public GitHub goes to an internal Git for review, then an internal pipeline to build it, and then an internal gallery where you can stage it and then sign it afterwards and then publish it signed into your internal gallery. So my main takeaway from that is he he seemed to think that it was more than I treated it as, which is absolutely fair and he's the expert. But most of the threat comes from improper practices or people that are just trusting things they shouldn't more than the actual threat coming from the repo. Yeah. Um, and I'll also clarify what I just said. That was kind of like confusing. If you aren't very advanced uh, or not a very mature organization with that type of stuff, that's probably going to be a little out of reach to start doing tomorrow. So the manual method would be to definitely have your internal repository and manually review and publish those internally. So save them look at them on a test machine. If the code looks fine and it's not bad, whatever, publish it internally. Obviously, that definitely is going to take some time. You're going to want to automate that in the long term and start signing your stuff. Um, but as of today, if you're a very 
new to this, that's probably a decent way to go about things. Okay. Gosh, some the serious fun stuff. stuff, right? No, no, no fun stuff. Yes, yeah, so, yes, about week? modules. You, you you use the Twitter, or I'm sorry, you used oh, X. The X. Oh yeah, <laughs> about that. Anyways, yeah, I've uh, been feeling recharged, so you might see my social media interactions increase. It's been kind of tired of it, and now I, I posted something. What did I say, Jordan? I said, "What are the most underrated PowerShell?" modules and why not many people gave me the why but they gave me some awesome modules um oh my gosh it opened up in a tab and i'm not logged in so i can't see it uh so what were some of the ones that you saw you can click some of those links all right well we had uh mikey lombardi oh, come in with powershell i, I don't want to yeah yamel yeah yamel i don't know if i got that right i don't uh he said that he said his uh, favorite modules, underrated modules, changes constantly, but that's the one that currently. And then he followed that up with another tweet where he gave a couple of examples of it he's used in the previous, which is common in PowerShell, right? What do you? What's the one thing you love? Well, here's twelve things that I love. Right, the brain starts going, and you just get creative with it. Yep. And shout out to Jordan Borian who authored that module, J Borian ninety three on the GitHub. We should get him on the podcast at some point. But that's a very cool module right there. Yeah. All right. So we had uh, Steven Swenson with mine, of course, which is very fair. Invoke query PowerShell. Yep. A PowerShell module of commandlets for querying most types of databases. So if you're working with databases, kind of a helpful way to get started. Uh, I also got hit up by Merrill in response to that, who shared the msal.ps module. Um, which is a PowerShell module that wraps the msal.net functionality and puts it into PowerShell. So some cool stuff there. And I think we need to get Merrill on at some point and kind of pick his brain about what all those words I just said meant. That was a lot of words. Relevance. It was a lot of words. Um, the blind hacker suggested import module. That's a, that's a good command. Definitely does what you want it to do. And former guest, David, he shared Pod, which I believe we've highlighted a couple times on the podcast, um, but it's a cross-platform PowerShell web framework for creating REST APIs, websites, and TCP slash SMTP servers. Definitely pretty cool. I love playing around with REST APIs, and this is a, a method of doing it in PowerShell. Pretty cool. All right. Well, should, should we get we, to the... No, the, no, no, the, there's no, more. No, where's more? Oh, my We goodness. got Posh SSH recommended. Okay, I have not used that. It's from Dark Operator, Carlos Perez, security guy. Probably want to get him on the podcast too at some point. These these authors of these modules are just, they'd make great guests, i tell you what. And lastly, we got Import Excel. Which is, when we ask the, the common parameters at the end, three favorite modules, Import Excel is still the most listed of three favorite modules. For sure. Um, if you have any interesting modules you think we should know about, you can hit us up powershellpdq.com and let us know because there are all kinds of different cool, valuable PowerShell projects that you may not just stumble across in your day-to-day. -day. So let us know and we'll share it with the world. Jordan, are you ready to get into some deep PowerShell stuff, learn some cool new concepts? We have so many guests that just saw in the title James Brundage and they're like, you know what? I'm going to go learn some stuff today. That's why I'm here. Yeah, everyone, welcome, James. Hey, how you guys all doing? That was a really, 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 really hard intro to stay muted during. 
Like I, I got opinions <laughs> about the security got, stuff or the... got, yeah. Uh, well, I mean like Joe, just jokingly on, you know, the modules, but yeah, I got a lot of underrated modules. Check out github.com slash start automating. There are stuff there that will blow your mind uh, and that could use a star or two. Also, I would love it if people were more active in sponsoring the projects that they love. That goes for everybody on that list. All of the modules, all the commands you guys mentioned are great. They're all worth checking out. And in the light plug of future upcoming activities, hey, I, I'm going to be starting up this PowerShell user group, this specific PowerShell user group for people on my time zone, because it seems like all the good podcasts and user groups are out east, and that that doesn't exactly make things easy. So I'm trying to start up one for the Pacific time zone and uh, nearby zones. Uh, that should be the second Wednesday of every month. Uh, you should be able to find it on Meetup. Uh, we're going to get our first uh, thing hopefully out next month. So stay tuned for more of that. And uh, could you just like email me that like list of names that you quickly mentioned? Because you know we could really get a nice like gravy train of speakers through a few different uh, user groups and podcasts. Like you get, team us up with Mike Kanakos. We'll basically be like, hey. You want to be on three different things over three months? For sure. And people usually are pretty willing to. If they're willing to talk at one, they're usually engaged and happy to share that info with the other groups as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm excited to know where to start because I know how stressful and how much goes into that. I failed when I tried to get the Salt Lake one going. So I'm excited to have one that's that's close by, that's uh, within my time zone again, because it's, it's a lot of work. I appreciate you doing it. Uh, I hope it works. I, I've done a few in person back when that was the thing. Um, and there are kind of two rocks that always kind of washed up against. Uh, one is just finding a good host anywhere in the Puget Sound. Um, and the other one is, well, the Puget Sound is a really big area with a fair amount of traffic. Uh, you know, Seattle proper might not be the largest city, but like, if you're talking about like a user group taking place in Redmond, that can be between 45 minutes and two hours commute uh, from anywhere else in the sound, you know, unless you're like right by Redmond and Microsoft generally would be one of the more willing groups to host. So I, I'm kind of kicking myself for not doing this a little bit earlier as every user group started to go virtual, but um, looking forward to seeing if virtual takes off a little bit more and uh, got some people to try to help. So nice. we'll see where that goes. Um, well, the we'll other keep bit, a link for that in the show notes for this. Just episode. so I can wade into one more, like you know, dumpster fire on typo squatting. This is something that is a basically universal known no. And like, if you look up, there is a similar complaint about a security hole in npm. And while prefixing something like Microsoft probably would work for some of it it doesn't necessarily help if somebody makes one letter off for your or my module treating any repository or any package as untrusted is the way to go typo squatting isn't really in my opinion actually a security flaw because at the point that you are you know installing a typoed module into x number of machines that's that's kind of on you. Like if, if you're going to be looking for the head to roll within the organization, it's going to be the person that did the typo 
you always want to check your sources. You want to make sure that they are from reputable and trusted PowerShell people, that they don't have a history. Basically, put their name into a search engine and see if you've got any security flaws reported. If, if you feel better about that, then you should feel better about installing the module no matter where you get it from. As far as GitHub versus Gallery, you're almost always more likely to get a slightly more recent version of the module on GitHub if it's available. And as far as if you can trust the module, well, if they don't have a project URI, I don't really trust them. And if that project URI isn't a near mirror of what's on Gallery, I don't really trust them. So I, I'm not worried about a typo. I'm not going to let a typo be part of what I ship in terms of installing a module. A typo in docs, I can live with. A typo in a commander parameter name, I can live with. I'll fix that in the next build. But if I have a typo in a dependency, there should be way more alarm bells going off before I ever get to the point of deploying a project or using a project. And I'm not particularly terrified about that threat vector. So, okay, waited out into that dumpster fire, out of that dumpster fire, made event. What do we got? So we actually, I, I was at the recent uh, PowerShell community call, and I believe you talked about Posh a little bit, and Michael Green expressed some interest, and it kind of got my brain ticking. I, I need to hear more about this. So what is Posh? I know people occasionally, I think back in the day more, used to refer to PowerShell as Posh, but you have a project, a module called Posh. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, um, I'll start with the joke that it's, uh, I'm pleased as Peach that I could actually get a module with that name. I kind of figured in terms of typo squatting or something like that, that there would be a rule against it or something. I'm terribly surprised that nobody had named a module that yet after like 14 odd, 15 odd years because, well, it's been the nickname of PowerShell for forever. Um, there was a talk I had to give at Tech Mentor. Uh, this year. Great conference, by the way, you should go. Um, and it was fantastic formatting with Easy Out. We talked about Easy Out, I think, the last time I was on here. My memory's a little hazy. You guys said it in about a year. That seems like too long. Have me on more often. I, I build more stuff in a year than you believe. Um, so, uh, Easy Out is a great module to write PowerShell formatters. It continues to grow and mature. In fact, there was a build, I believe, this week. Um, and there had been a thing people complained about with Easy Out for a while that was, hey, we don't like Easy Out shipping too many formatters because I'm, I'm here for a thing to write my formatters. I'm not here for you to change my shell experience. So make that another module. Okay. People have been asking me that for years. And well, I got this talk called Fantastic Formatting. I wanted some really fantastic formatting and I knew I needed to split this off into this own module. So, well, what's a module name that I could possibly use that would just describe, you know, cool formatting and cool shell enhancements? Well, I guess that that could be posh. I mean, that sounds cool, right? Or a little bit upper crusty, but you know, cool. Um, so, yeah, I did find module. Holy crap, nobody would used the name Posh? All right, so that's mostly decided. I guess I'm going to call it Posh. Well, what does that name infer? That, you know, talks about improving the shell experience and making PowerShell 
easier to get more welcoming to others. And so as I'm known to do, I just went and built a module. And Posh is a pretty unique module in a few ways, not just the, you know, cojones to camp really valuable real estate in PowerShell naming. Um, but it uh, it's a module that doesn't actually have commands. It's purely types and formatters. So it's purely this part of PowerShell that everybody is using all the time and seeing all the time, but not really thinking about. So and, question about formatters real quick. So yeah. formatters, that refers to the way that an object in PowerShell is displayed, kind of like the format that it will use. And how does that yes. work with types at all? Um, so there are these two really old, ancient parts of PowerShell, the types and format engine, okay? Or the extended type system and the formatting system. The extended type system does what's on the tan, you know, it takes a given type and it allows you to add script properties or script methods to it and the like. So it allows you to basically take an object and add more stuff to it. Okay. Which is super cool. That's awesome. It is. I love that. It is an insanely overpowered capability. Um, in fact, I'm going to use like a word jumble for the ages here. Dynamic polymorphism, which is what's on the tin, but what the hell is that? Exactly. Um, so dynamic polymorphism is when you have a language that, or when you can dynamically say that an object is one or more types of object dynamic polymorphism i'm changing these objects into other objects they're shape-shifting objects that's the easier way to think of it okay so shape-shifting objects are really valuable in all sorts of contexts uh you can kind of start to let a few you know things go off in your head for here but like basically if you wanted to make some a type fit an interface having a shape-shifting object would be valuable if you wanted to kind of adapt a type as input for parameters, shape-shifting object would be valuable. There are lots of cases where it's great for an object to be able to shape-shift. The way most programming languages are written doesn't enable this. The extended type system does. In the extended type system, I don't even need a real base object. And in fact, this is a major part of the magic that's letting Posh work. I can just take a property bag, a hash table on PowerShell, and I can give it a PS type name property. And that it is. It begins to take all those extended types. So um, like to, to use a, a saying here, uh, or to kind of pervert one a little bit, you know, you, you hear that um, if it looks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's duck, right? In PowerShell, you're a duck when I say you're a duck. And I could also say you're a duck and a moose, and PowerShell would have no problem with that. Um, so dynamic polymorphism, shape-shifting objects, that's one of these core cool things PowerShell can do. It's always been able to do this. Like before you could write script commandlets, you could do dynamic polymorphism in PowerShell. So but I'm, I'm nobody gonna... really opened up the doors, and EasyOut has the ability to make that easier to write. You can basically have a types directory and underneath that basically get or set underscore name of property or name of method.ps1. And you'll get this dynamic system of objects 
that doesn't even need to have a real C-sharp class behind it. So I can take any data, say you're a duck now, or in Posh's case, hey, you're a link to a video, and then I can have a formatter that will say, well, I know how to display links to videos. Or I can just say, here's a part of PowerShell that could look a little bit better. Um, one of the, the things that wasn't easy out that moved over was get member in color. Being able to pipe any object to get member. That's great. We all use that all the time, right? Well, in Posh, I can pipe any object to get member and get the results back in color. You don't have to do anything other than install and import. Now, don't typo when you install. I can't vouch for whatever Poshy or something like that'll do. But, you know, install, import, Posh, and you're done. It'll start to render get member in color. And it'll do the same sort of thing for get command. Uh, I haven't gotten get help in color yet, but I will. Um, there's reflection formatting. So you can pipe a type into format custom and see all the methods and properties of that type. Um, I'm actually going to be upgrading that in the next build to allow you to look at private types or private methods as well. Um, there's enhanced formatting for select string to add colorization to uh, alternating colorization to each file and to add the clickable links. There's icons in get child item without having to use terminal icons, although it will fall back on terminal icons if you've got it installed and prefer it. All of this is basically formatting magic. And you asked what those two types parts were. Types we've covered. That's the ability to build these shape-shifting, light, not really objects in PowerShell. Formatting is the ability to say, for any object, I can have any number of ways to display this object. All right. And so I just want yeah. to make sure I'm understanding because there's there's a lot of information that came in there. And I feel like I may be lost, but I'm about to verify by see if I can give what works for me. Okay. So basically, yours is saying whatever you run, it decides what the object is, or you tell what the, what the object is. And based on that object type or, or anything, then you have different formatters that respond to it specifically based on whatever you claim at the time. Yes. Okay. And also, I can, based off of that object type, have methods basically pop into existence. And if I stop changing it or calling it that object type, those methods go away. So like here, let's talk about one little big feature of Posh. Because um, it, it basically is at this point, seeing how far I can go in improving the shell experience with only types and format files. Um, dollar error. We all use dollar error, right? I think it, it's an array with all the errors from your session, right? Yep. And it's also a global constant variable. And that means that if I decorate dollar error, I change its type name, I can extend it. So in Posh, I extend dollar error and I'll give you stuff like dollar error by line or dollar error dot history to be able to show the history items of each of the errors. So I can take an existing object in PowerShell and start to add more onto it. And there's little stuff there too, like uh, dollar $host. Uh, to get the actual width of a host, you have to go to host.ui.rawui.dollar. 
width, host.ui.rawui.height. I'm getting old. My fingers don't like me typing these things anymore. In Posh, it extends host, and you can get host.width. And you can set host.width, and it'll be happy. And you can do the same thing for a title instead of host.ui.rawui.window title. So it's making nice formatting for PowerShell and adding a lot of convenient method or convenience methods to parts of PowerShell that could use them. As you were saying that, I was using, I have Posh imported on my Mac right now. And I was just kind of tooling around and you said dollar sign host. I was like, okay, host. And it just popped up. Like that is definitely a nice improvement. It seems like makes it almost more discoverable in a certain way. Yeah, that's kind of the goal here. I mean, I'm trying to take these parts of PowerShell that people don't quite know exist and shine a light on them literally by adding colorization and making them exposed or discoverable with get member uh quick question since you're trying it on a mac how's its color looking good yeah looks good um cool. I'm using so i guess too. it is working fine cross-platform could you change the color scheme on iterm too i want to know if that part works it should so while, while he's testing that, I'll ask a question about uh, if I want to do some customization. Let's say for some reason I like typing out all of those things for dollar sign host, but I like that if I'm using PowerShell to post a bunch of cat videos, that it has that kind of formatting. Can I pick and choose the formatting or is this kind of an all or nothing? It's all kind of thrown uh, in there. It is currently all kind of thrown in there. I will be making some architectural changes and easy out in the future to make that a little bit more malleable, but I will also need to at least try to make some engine changes within PowerShell. PowerShell's not as great at unloading formatters as it is at loading them. So getting toggleable formatting is kind of tricky. Okay. Types, it's better about unloading. Um, and if you put them within a module, it's pretty solid about unloading them. Um, but if I were to start to basically give you a la carte formatting for each, that would get messier than I currently want to. I'd have to basically be creating a dynamic module for each uh, to toggle it on and off. Um, that's something that I might end up doing in the future, but I'm not doing yet. And if I do end up doing it, I'm going to basically approach it with Easy Out's help by building a feature into Easy Out that lets you split up what files you generate because that just seems like it makes more sense um as far as other forms of customization though uh you should be able to change the color scheme that's one already kind of pointed out um there had also been some requests on the research trial powershell user group to be able to make the colors more customizable and that's something that i've built the plumbing out for already uh, and we'll be adding in a future build. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to continue to innovate in this space. I find it fun, honestly. We have spent a lot of time, and Jordan, you, you probably know where I'm going with this, but talking about the console experience, making it better, cool ways to add color. And uh, I think one of the recent ones we talked about was like Posh Spectre console. And this is another way, what your project is here, is another way to add color and usability to the terminal, uh, where we're spending a lot of our time. Not um, really. Uh, it is a package of experiences to make that better and to make PowerShell better. It's not trying to get into a fight with any of these. Like a good example of this is 
you can customize your prompt with Posh. We're also going to use whatever prompt you already had by default. You would have to basically opt into that customization. And we'll, we'll, we actually create a stackable function. So basically, you can have any number of different versions of prompt and keep falling back to the previous ones and adding more onto it. So you can basically take Powerline or Oh My Posh prompts that you already have and add more stuff to them. That is the goal there. Same sort of thing for Spectre Console or um, more, you know, future term. Uh, I'm going to be looking at uh, integrating some of the charm bracelet tools like gum into this. It's not really trying to be, you have to do it this one way. It's trying to kind of give you the capability to kind of make the shell easier in whatever ways it can, mainly focused on that formatting and types. But if you want to keep your prompt, you can keep your prompt. If you have another formatting from another thing, just load another module afterwards. It will be fine overriding it. So, yeah, yeah. I think that, and from what I'm seeing, this isn't that opinionated of a module in terms of like, if you use it, you're not going to be sacrificing much. It is just adding usability from what I'm seeing and just enhancements that will make what you're already doing a little bit easier at times. Yeah. The only opinion I think that might kind of occasionally surprise people is sometimes I'm like, could we have less properties here? Just a few less properties here. A good example that I, I'm a little bit mixed on is uh, get command. Um, in get command, I don't show you a, a version because I think that that ends up being pretty redundant to see for each module each time. You know, like if we're looking at screen real estate. Um, but, you know, A, all these opinions are uh, welcome to the user feedback. If you feel like, oh, my God, this sucks. Please make this happen. I love to hear from customers. Um, and B, we didn't really talk on about this earlier, at least correctly. But one other major thing to understand about the formatting subsystem is that you can have any number of views of an object. So if you don't like the current view, please suggest new ones. In fact, if you want to take a crack at a PR, I'm really happy to accept them. I mentioned this Lex string earlier. Let me give a shout out to Mr. Edgars. I think that's how you're pronouncing it. Uh, it's a Japanese fellow that produces a lot of fun terminal integration, PowerShell stuff. Oh, MDGRS. We love MDGRS. him. We mention him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, so you said Mr. Rogers. Is that what the name you interpret? I, I'm going to be getting it wrong. Okay. Uh, you, you should have him on, actually, and ask him as far as official pronunciations and cool projects. Well, but yeah, he, he's given some been, of the project uh, already. Butchering it. We've butchered it many times and he hasn't corrected us yet. So we're just going to assume we're right. Fair. <laughs> Yeah, they're actually from Japan, believe it or not, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, there is a broad international community of PowerShell lovers. Definitely. Makes me very, very proud for my uh, historic contribution to the language and to kind of see how far it's come. Definitely. Is a, it's at a very fun spot. Now... Um, we haven't done this before on the podcast, but I was wondering if you could share your screen a little bit and maybe walk us through. You're mentioning colors and formatting and kind of show people what, what we're looking at here. 
because uh yeah let me uh find the right window unfortunately there are as usual a million of them open and then we'll get to it and um don't forget the waveform thing but while you're doing that i think it's so interesting that there's a module that there's no commands in it so if you run git command module bosh nothing because it's all types uh, and formatters yeah, and I'm also going to hope the demo gods are kind. I will remind everybody that I tend to screencast from my dev box. So uh, we're going to use VS Code for this one just because it's going to be a little bit easier. Can you guys see that? Yeah, it looks like your waveform is still popping up. Yep, there they go. All right. All right so, so we, we are going to try to talk through what we're seeing for the people that are listening, but if there's something you're interested in seeing, we'll uh, get a timestamp in the youtube video where if anyone wants to go and watch it after they'll take them right to the the part where you're showing us here yeah so the first thing that i'm going to be basically doing is just importing the module force and pass through i'm doing it with this with the local path because that's where i am the dot slash and the first thing that jumps out at me and hopefully at you is that you get a message here you don't just see the normal like output for a module because well the one thing Posh does do is set a variable for itself, and this is the formatting for Posh itself. So Posh, okay. if I re-echo it, I'll get this. In fact, you can actually see a part of it randomizes, so I can get PowerShell news by doing $Posh.news. I can get recommendations of modules by doing Posh.recommends. Uh, this one's cool. There are built-in tips and tricks. Actually, let me load up one more module to make that fun. I'm going to load up show demo, which is an automatic typing module. And we're going to go ahead and say posh uh, tips. And it's saying, hey, I can assign the output of a loop in PowerShell. And it's giving an example of that. Okay. And going to go get another one. You can use generic types. Just put the inner types within brackets. There's collection begins. White space doesn't really matter. That's good to know as well. So nice. Yeah, you have tips and tricks built in. In fact, this is a feature that any module can now do just by saying, here's a file named star.tip.ps1. If you do that, your module will be able to actually see the tips in the same way that you're seeing the tips from Posh if it's loaded. Um I'm going to go start demo of Posh itself, and that's going to do some typing for me. So Posh improves the PowerShell experience, enhances the PowerShell formatting, and makes the shell easier to script. And for a simple example, we're just going to echo Posh, which again was that nice formatter there. This time it's saying recommends. It's also reminding you, hey, you can do, you can pipe Posh to get member. Actually, I'll pause here for a second too, and we'll talk about like some of its stated goals. It's a PowerShell module that improves the shell experience. It helps you to customize the shell, helps you learn PowerShell, improves built-in formatting, and extends built-in types. So we're going to take a quick tour of some of the ways that Posh makes PowerShell cooler. It shows files in color with hopefully helpful icons and clickable links. I'm doing some code to basically go get Posh's module and split its path and get the child from that. And there we go. And I can actually click on this link here in VS Code. Right. So for the, those who are listening, basically it got to the point where it was listing out the list of documents ahead in there. But instead of just being the name, you can actually click on the name and it will open up the file inside your uh, ISE or VS Code. 
Yep. And okay. it also has nice little icons for folders and markdown and various other file types, so I, I uh, including a little PowerShell Chevron for PowerShell files. These all are using standard emoji and should work cross-platform, cross-font, no nerd fonts required, no special customizations or major downloads required. But again, if you have terminal icons installed, it's just going to go say, oh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll use terminal icons to render this. So I, I think this is really important because we saw this uh, of big ad with uh, PS Readline when they added the help in line where you didn't have to leave your screen to open up the help documentation. Having just a link to click where you can open up the file you might be looking into and have it open without having to leave your, your VS Code session is great for not breaking flow when you're working. I think that's a fantastic ad. Yeah, you are 100% correct with that. Um, this is now one of two of my own modules that are actually in my profile. The other one is UGIT. Um, UGIT's a fun module. It lets me return Git as PowerShell objects. And basically, this will allow me to uh, have this nice customized experience that improves my own you know, flow through code. It also works in terminal in a much more open-ended way. In a code, your links will be limited to your code project, to the root directory of it. Um, in terminal, they'll be anywhere, and it'll just open with whatever regular handler you've got. So if I wanted to like do a dir of my videos directory in terminal, I can click the links, which, you know, beautifully insane. I love it. It really, really improves my PowerShell experience, and I think it'll improve all of yours as well. Well, I guess that anytime something's added to where it eliminates the time I have to leave VS Code, the better, because I'm quick to lose focus and lose all forward momentum. And that's what I find the biggest help is to never leave while Fair. I'm working. Obviously, you need to take a break. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of what you show there. Well, I'm, I'm glad you like it. Uh, you know, star like share subscribe sponsor etc um here just pointing out again that posh's icons do not require nerd fonts they will be ignored in favor of terminal icons if that's what you prefer another formatter it updates is get command and it slims the or or output to just the name in the module and colorizes the name based off of the verbs and this one's going to fly right by because you know it enumerates commands pretty quickly but even just looking through the commands that Microsoft produces, it makes it a lot easier to see and group them. So things like remove is in red because it's uh, eliminating stuff, format's purple, so get is green. So there's basically whatever the verb is is changing the coloration of uh, the output. That is correct. And I'm trying to be uh, at least a little bit smart about a couple different things. One is proximity to similar verbs. Uh, remove and rename, I think, are the only ones that are right next to each other and the same color. Um, but the other one is uh, I try to think of the threat level of the verb and let that influence its color. So, you know, your gets are your more likely to be green. A rename or remove is red. A restart or a reset is yellow. Sets are also yellow. Unregister, update, yellow. I've also so tried to... Is italicized? What? Is weight like yes. italicized? Okay. Uh, I, I've tried to italicize some to break it up a little bit more. These ones can be a little bit dangerous because you could be waiting for too long. 
Um, but also because they're changing statefulness, I'm italicizing and because it breaks up the output a little bit more. And there are some really primal verbs like where and for each that I'm basically just saying, okay, forget it. I, I don't need to colorize you at all because having a little bit of white in there helps break it up too. Awesome. Yeah, that is very cool and easy on the eyes, especially, I don't know, whenever I think of working in the terminal, I just imagine white text on a black background, at least, you know, historically, that's kind of been what it's like, but uh, we're kind of taking things to the next level and making it easy on ourselves. Doesn't have to be the hard way every time. Yeah, we are. And also now that I am uh, thinking of the callback, I think the last time we were on, we talked about uh, accidental you know, showing as a PowerShell on pop culture, how, you know, PowerShell started to become the background screen of like the hacker terminals and TV and movies. Right. At least some of the time. Right. Well, I'm sure this will look better on screen too. So I look forward to turning on my TV one day and being like, y'all are using my module as set dressing. It'll be <laughs> nice set dressing. Anyway. Um, Get member is one of the three most useful commands in PowerShell. And it's one of the three that I uh, call the trinity of discoverability. There's your get command, get member, and get help. Um, or get command, get help, get member. Posh will let you see it in color, which makes it a hell of a lot more easy. So if I pipe get command, get member here, I'll get five different types of objects back. And I get properties in green and methods and yellow and type names and cyan and indications of whether they're getting and setting it's you know it's get member like you were used to just with color and we covered this on the research triangle powershell user group but this sort of stuff helps your eye seek to the data it needs more quickly so I see both property and script property are green. Is it just because yeah. those are essentially the same and you don't want to make the distinction? or um, Probably because this one was copied and pasted over from easy out and only slightly tweaked. But if you want them to have a distinction, I can make one. Uh, I, I was actually just wondering for if there was a reason for it or if I just was nitpicking. Uh, there's no, uh, no, no it's good nitpicking. Um, my thinking on formatting continues to evolve. And as I get more and more you know capability built out and experience in the area i refine my thoughts and you're right script property should be visually differentiated a little bit too even if it is still a green it could be not bolded or italicized there are ways to essentially make this a better experience still look at that i just contributed to a github project without actually contributing I need oh, to put dude, in an file issue. An issue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now I have to actually file an issue? Come right. on. Yeah, file an issue. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, look, I, one of my, uh, I might get there this year goals. Uh, I ended up getting there last year. Last year I had 2,200 contributions in GitHub. This year I'm Holy going for 2,300. Um, but He's quick with it. Be just an issue. All right. So, like, get your contrib count up, man. I mean, I don't need them all. I, I can file issues on myself all day long. I do in that most days. He's calling uh, us out, Jordan. We need to get on it. But yeah, I, I'm totally down for adding more to a formatter at any point, honestly. Like, I, I'm very interested in hearing 
the nitpicky. Oh, this is great, but could I please, please, please have this weird thing that maybe only I will want, but it might make like everybody's life easier, you know, because that's the fun part of the job. Okay. So one other one is it makes it easy to explore reflection because get member is great, but get member requires you to have an actual type or an object already, right? If you just wanted to look at a type, we can pipe it to format custom. Now this, I'm going to like light warning. This is the part I'm working on now. If there is a part of the demos that's going to go off the rails, it's going to be right now. Um, but here is, you know, int pipe to format custom. So before Ooh, that, so see. format custom for me is actually a new new command. So I'm going to pretend it's for all of our listeners, but uh, I guess what is no, reflection okay. and what does format custom do? All right. So let's, let's go in, uh, in order, I guess. Reflection is a part of .NET that allows you to look at a class that is being, or that has been defined and determine what it can do. And reflection can look into that class at a fair degree of depth. There's nothing really private to reflection. Like you can say a, a, a method is private in C sharp, but reflection will still be able to see it. So in this case, you just specify the integer object type and then put that in format custom to get information on the integer, even though there's no defined imager, integer that we're pulling from then. Yes. Okay. And format custom, there are four types of formatting in PowerShell, okay? Format table, we're all really familiar with. That's, that's by far the most common one. And that's, well, a table, you know, rows and columns right? Or rather headers and individual rows of data, right? At least that's how PowerShell thinks of it, right? Then you've got lists, which, you know, are thing on the left, colon on the right, okay? Um, format wide is an embarrassment and a completely useless formatter, in my opinion. Uh, it's there to kind of look like some Linux formatters, but it doesn't really do that that well. It's not really that customizable. It is the redheaded stepchild of the formatting world. I didn't and even know it was a command until you just said it. Go ahead. Try to use it. See how much fun you have. Um, there are reasons <laughs> that I'm never talking about uh, format wide. Um, but format custom is, it is what's on the tin. It's just kind of insane. It It's any custom format that you want for any object. Anything. Like, technically, I need to be basically spitting out a sequence of text eventually, or a series of elements that would spit out text. But a formatter can do anything that any part of PowerShell could do. So, yeah, you can output text, but you can also output more complicated things than that, or as this is doing, add lots of color to text as you go. And inside of a, basically all of these types of formatters, you have the ability to have a little bit of a control where you can basically use some predefined bit of format XML to kind of run through this. So um, one of the things that it's pointing out here is, hey, I could view this differently. By default, this is only showing you a set of information about type. To see everything about an object, you can basically use name of type or bracket type name, pipe to format custom, and this will probably lightly change, but right now it's system type full. 
and that'll spit out all of everything. This is where you're on private build stuff because the things that you're seeing and well, that that is an let, let, let overwhelming me, let, amount of data. Exactly. <laughs> let me uh, let me back up here. We got uh, up top a type name followed by a markdown header, basically for to separate that space. Followed by every interface that it implements. Followed by all the static properties. And in this case, because I said full in future builds, full will mean everything, including private methods. So some of these are private static properties. Here are some ones that are actually properly marked as private static methods. They're marked in red. Uh, you've got basically a cyan to denote the type and yellow for the name of the method, and then cyan for method and parameters, all in a form you could copy and paste into either Markdown or PowerShell, basically. And you get this for absolutely everything on a type. So I can see all this detail without ever leaving PowerShell. And this also works for generic types. So I'm just going to show that on collections generic dictionary. And if you thought int was so much. And that brings me to a question. There's just so much information. Like it's it's overload on me. I I have a hard time seeing where I'd use this, where I, it gives me more than I get from Git member, but I think it gives me a whole bunch that I'd never use. Fair. Um, if you're looking to reflect on a thing, then you're probably looking for that top-down view first, and that's giving you that. Uh, it does also format the individual items in reflection. So if you were to just ask a type to give it your its methods, that would come out in color too. Okay. Or to give it a method by name. And I'll show you that in an example after we kind of get out of demo mode. Um, one other fairly low-hanging fruit, although it can be a little bit unfun on really large documents, is that it colorizes XML. So I'm going to invoke REST method to PSSVG and grab a little SVG there, and boom, colorized XML. So what is an SVG? Uh, scalable Vector Graphics, which is a web format for images. Awesome. So it's also uh, one of the... Uh, PSSVG is a module that I produced that is a perfect wrapper of SVG. That is, it takes everything in the SVG standard and it creates a corresponding command for it. And so being able to do that directly has led to me basically making a bunch of cool images over the last year or so. Um, another one that it colorizes is regular expressions. This one uh, did not come from easy out. It came from a regular. Uh, but I can basically say, hey, here's a new regex. I'm going to give it some options, and I'll get back, you know, the parentheses are highlighted, the name of the captures highlighted and underlined, the pattern still in white, the comments still in green. So it takes something like regex and makes it a little bit easier to understand. There's also the get process heat map, right. which will display various properties I, I, in I don't green or red. I don't want to gloss over regex. Easier to understand doesn't mean it's easy. It's still regex. Like that's still going to be a nightmare scenario. Yeah, sure. But have me talk about a regular, man. Irregular <laughs> is great. Regex is, is great once you get used to its horrifyingness. I, I appreciate the end result and its power, but my uh, goodness. 
I appreciate the living hell out of being able to create very complicated regexes that are still pretty readable just by piping new regex to itself until I'm done, basically. Because that's that's how I write regexes nowadays. I don't remember the direct syntax. I will literally ask new regex, what's a back reference look like again? All the time. Because I don't need to keep that in my head. I have PowerShell that will do that for me. And Irregular is a fantastic module for learning regexes and building them. Regular expressions made strangely simple. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it's not something I'd ever recommend really doing by hand, and I couldn't quite entirely explain the journey of getting good at regex, other than that it terrifies me that I can now say with a fair degree of confidence that I'm pretty good at regex. That's a, that's a bold claim. Most people, re regex is like chess. The better someone is at it, the less likely they are to, to talk about how good they are, because they know what they're lacking. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm Bobby Fisher then. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, no, that'll go bad. I'm not supporting the Soviet Russia, and I'm not going to disappear. I swear. <laughs> no, um, no my, the, the overall references. I just noticed uh, every time I had someone say they're really good at chess, generally they're new enough to chess that they don't understand all that goes into it. Where my my brother, who is, I, I believe, on the rating system expert, he's he's up there. And I've never heard him say anything overly positive about his skills. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know type of scenarios. Dunning-Kruger, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, Dunning-Kruger a little bit. Um, I, I don't know how to say this other than like, you know, when you've had to basically pour over regex documentation to figure out the right command and parameter names to make it all easy to construct, you end up learning a lot. And while I'm sure there are limits to my capabilities and I'm still going to stumble because the error is human, yeah, I'm, I'm not terrified of approaching things and solving them with regex at all. Like, um, I, I've recently built a thing in a regular that'll, in regex, or mostly regex, find you yaml sub properties so you can basically be like okay go find property blah and its value anywhere within a yaml that's an insanely crazy regex uh that again i did not have to write by hand but i did have to still think through it enough and getting to the point that i could think through it and not have my eyes bleed um that's the point where i knew like I actually can do regex. It no longer terrifies me. The whole world that deals with regex is terrified with by it. Ipso facto, I guess I'm good at this now. There you go. You know, so, yeah. Um, sorry, I can add it to the list. Uh, a lot of the world is terrified of the formatting subsystem in PowerShell. Please don't. There's easy out. I take these terrifying portions of the programming world and I build easy modules for them so that you don't have to be afraid. This is like part of my joy in life. Um, okay, so we also have like the, the dumb kitchen sink uh, time zones and time spans. These are little ones that it adds. There are a couple more since then, but I need to update the demo file. Uh, new time span. By default, didn't have a formatter. 
uh, time spans would just spit out all the properties and time spans have a property for basically total seconds, total minutes, total hours, total days. This could be handy, but it also can be information overload when you're just looking for something easy and re to read. So I said new time span hours, 24 minutes, 30 and seconds, 15. And I got back one period, zero, zero, colon, 30, colon, 15. And bonus points, if I were on a French computer, they would be commas instead of colons. Okay? So, we can also display time spans in their ISO format. And this is something that uh, I'm sure we've all run across at least at one point and didn't want to write that function. But I can say noob time span, same duration, format, custom, view. And for lack of a better name, I just use the standard so it gets burned into all of our heads. ISO 8601, and that spits out P1DT0H30M15S, aka the horrible cron friendly thing that you would need. So, Yikes. yeah, <laughs> but you don't have to do that anymore. You can just pipe to format custom, view ISO. 8601. And you can sound all smart to your other technical colleagues when you're like, this is ID ASO 8601 compliant, all right? Nice. So just to clarify, format custom, not your command. The type nope. or the view that you are using here is what comes from Posh. Yep. Perfect. Because I've never really used uh, format custom before. Yeah, fair. Um, if you don't have a formatter defined for an object, it'll take the first one defined in a format file. So there are cases where format custom is used as the default, like posh is format custom used as the default. Um, but another one I added uh, was time zone support. And we can make this you know, readable again by trimming the number of displayed properties. It doesn't have a formatter. So it was spitting out basically three different versions of an offset. Really annoyingly, it also didn't have a local time property for a time zone. So I added one with the types file. And I can say get time zone, and I can see it's specific standard time. Local time is 2.15. And it'll give me the display name for that, which includes the UTC offset. Oh, it also is in yellow because it's daytime here. And what we can actually do is take get time zone dash list available and use it as a world clock. And, and there the, we go. So the, the color changes when it's nighttime. <laughs> the color changes when it's roughly nighttime. I'm not being that neurotic to go look up sundown in your time zone for your latitude. I'm just basically saying like, I think six to six or eight to eight. Yeah. Well, especially where sundown changes based on the time of year as well. That would be a, yeah, <laughs> that'd be a complex addition. <laughs> like querying APIs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that would take a little bit longer than you'd want for the formatter to render. So I'm sorry, everybody gets a good enough guest and those who live underneath the midnight sun can hate me after you. <laughs> All right. And that's the end of Posh's demo of its built-in formatters. Although I guess I'll do one more off the cuff one, which is the select string stuff. We go look for mentions of Posh. And this is also clickable that. links. Oh, wow. And this is thanks to Mr. We Cannot Agree on the Pronunciation of Your Name, Smart Gentleman <laughs> from Japan. Awesome. So with that one, basically you said you're looking inside a file for the word Posh, and it returned all those results with giving you a 
link to basically the line of where it reads it. Select string is not my command. Select yeah, no, select string, string is not. Yeah, but yeah, but but, but the output it, is the highlighting all that stuff and giving the output you the, is really just the colorization and the link of the name of the file. Okay. The inverted output of the match that was part of it naturally. Oh. So yeah, um, I believe it should also work with context. So I've been told. Yep, looks like it is. And that includes again the file name and a little carrot pointing to the match and you know the surrounding lines. So, Andy, right, I'm gonna let me actually check because I think it does go right to the line. So if you're like, oh crap, I made a bug. I need to go fix every place that I mentioned. Blah, right? Well, pipe to select string, find them, and then you can just click through like a checklist and VS code and call it good. Mm, well, I mean, oh. from what you're showing us and hopefully we've done a good job of talking through for everyone that's listening. But like I said, we will put a timestamp from when this starts. If you want to see the actual uh, magic happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess I got a couple more random quick ones. I mentioned the tips and tricks. Uh, every module also can have recommendations Okay. A module can say, I recommend another module. It won't install that module for you, but it'll basically say, hey, you should go check this out. Right? Um, so that, I hope, will help. Another thing that every module can say is, here are some videos attached. Uh, one thing we talked about uh, briefly before we started recording is, I should probably add podcasts or something like this, too. And then you guys can have a module for the PowerShell podcast that just has the metadata of every previous podcast mm. and then, you know, do the same thing, export a variable dollar PowerShell podcast dot videos or dot podcasts gives you clickable link to every episode, right? In PowerShell. Be well, nice, now you're speaking be my language. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so it's also got screenshots and I can, you know, click these links here. I'll get a prompt. Hey, do I want to open this external link? Sure. I do. And there we go. There's my screenshot. Um, I'm trying to think what else we have here. We've got demo files. And these are, again, features on any module. So if any module has a star.demo.ps1, it will be available if you say get module.demos and posh is loaded. Uh, you also have pests, which just looks for pester files. And... I can pipe posh to get member to kind of see all the rest of the stuff that we've got. I've got one for seeing PowerShell issues. Um, I think we're mostly done here. I've got a few other convenience uh, methods or properties in posh itself to make other parts of PowerShell easy to access. So you can do something like posh.history, you know, put one to get history or run space, that or know modules to get all the loaded modules and so on and so forth so it's awesome. a pretty potent powershell object model basically built with zero commands and it also is a lot of fun sexy formatters that make your life easier to use and improve the shell experience and it's also a bunch of ways to make every module more easy to market and easier to understand so hopefully 
it, you know, takes off. So far, Sweet. it's had pretty nice velocity on GitHub and nobody has come out of the woodwork basically saying, how dare you name a module like that, <laughs> which I feel pretty all right about. But if you wanted to say that now, go for it. No, I think it's great. Install module and then import module posh and uh, throw it in your profile and you can enjoy all these benefits. Jordan, yeah. what you got? I don't know if you're aware, James, but as you are, as you said, an expert on regex, we have someone who is an expert on a field that I know a lot of people get nervous even approaching, but you, you have before you the world's foremost authority. And you know what? World is not enough. The galaxy's foremost authority on shilling podcasts, Andrew Plaw. We are straight right. Star Wars in it out here. I love it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Galactic. Um, hello, fellow citizens of the universe. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you appreciate what we brought you today. James dropped the heat with Posh. You got to get it. Got to check it out. And if you're listening to us or watching us on YouTube, drop us a like, comment, subscribe. Uh, give us a comment below. Let us know what you learned. If you've checked out the module, what feature have you been using and is helpful to you? I definitely think this is the type of uh, situation that many people can import and start getting value out of on the easy end just by running commands you already use, or you could take advantage of some of the other uh, cool features like dollar sign posh and a lot of the properties that are included in it, a lot of the custom types, all kinds of cool stuff. Now, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. That'd be sweet. Um, you can find us on X at PowerShell Pod. What else do I need to say, Jordan? You can email us any suggestions, anything you want. PowerShell at PDQ.com. Jordan and I will read it. We might respond privately. If you want us to, we can respond publicly. The world's your oyster. Jordan, is there anything else I'm supposed to say? I'm Andrew Plotek. He's DevOps Jordan. Check our show notes for links to everything we talked about today. James, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Um, I came in here ready to learn, and I definitely learned today, so appreciate that. Cool. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Two kinds of flavor, two kinds of crunch. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick.